everyone, this is Angela Bowen, the host of Oh My Atlanta, Holy Chalupas, an unofficial Full House Fuller House podcast, Punky Power, an unofficial Punky Brewster podcast, and Looking Back at My Wonder Years, a Wonder Years podcast. Well, today I am going to be covering a show that I loved growing up. It was on PBS. It's just such a good show. And of course, the show I'm referring to is Wishbone. It came out in 1995. It's basically the little dog with a big imagination. That's where I learned about classic books. Whether it was Oliver Twist, Great Expectations, Pride and Prejudice, Rip Van Winkle, all that stuff. I learned from the show. And what's interesting about the show is it actually was filmed in Texas from, I believe, 95, October of 95 is when the first episode, A Tale in Twain Part 1 and 2 aired. So, but the episode that I really, really love, and I do plan to actually cover other shows, other episodes of the show down the road. So the one I'm deciding decided to cover today is season one, episode nine, Digging Up the Past. This is from October 17th, 1995. Joe, Ellen, and Wishbone meet a woman who lived in their home over 40 years ago, who comes to see the house and find the treasure she left behind as a kid. Wishbone imagines himself as Rip Van Winkle who falls asleep for 20 years and doesn't recognize anything or anybody and can't get anyone to believe who he is. This episode was directed by Ken Harrison, writers Mark S. Bernthal, and the short story, of course, based on Washington Irving. So real quick, I'm going to go to Wikipedia and kind of let those of you who aren't familiar with the Wishbone show, I'm going to kind of give you an insight to it before we actually get into the episode. And I promise I'll try to be as fast as possible so we can actually get to the episode. Wishbone is an American half-hour live-action children's television show produced from 95 to 97. It was originally broadcast on PBS and later rebroadcast on PBS Kids and PBS Kids Go. The show won four daytime Emmys, a Peabody Award, and honors from the television critics. Wishbone's exterior shots were filmed on the back lot of Lyric Studios, Teen Division, Big Feats, F-E-A-T-S, Entertainment, in Allen, Texas. Its interior shots were filmed on a soundstage in a 50,000-square-foot warehouse in Plano, Texas. Additional scenes were filmed in Grapevine. Okay. So, we have, starring Soccer the Dog, we also have the show was created by Rick Duffield, his son on the show is trying to find out where is it um his son actually plays the character demont demont jones he's basically the bully of the show and really antagonizes the main character joe talbot Joe Talbot is around 12 years old he lives with his single mother who is also a widow Joe would have lost his father probably around five or six years old. We also have David, who is played by Adam Springfield. This is Joe's best friend. And Christy Abbott plays 
Joe's other best friend, Samantha. Mary Chris Wall plays Ellen Talbot, Joe's mom. We have Angie Hughes, who plays Wanda Gilmore, their kooky next-door neighbor. Think of an adult Kimmy Gibbler. We also have Larry Brantley providing the voice of Wishbone. Opening theme, What's the Story, Wishbone? Number of seasons, two. Number of episodes, 50. There's also a books, a series of books that came out in the mid-90s to kind of go along with the show. I uh, believe that the show ended in 98 with the TV movie Wishbone's Dog Days of the West. Basically, the plot... According to Wikipedia, the show's title character is a Jack Russell Terrier. Wishbone lives with his owner, Joe Talbot, in the fictional town of Oakdale, Texas. He daydreams about being the lead character of stories from classic literature. He was known as a little dog with a big imagination. Only the viewers and the characters in his daydreams can hear Wishbone speak. The characters from his daydreams see Wishbone as whichever famous character he is currently portraying and not as a dog. Standard episode of Wishbone consists of an opening scene introducing Wishbone and his family's current situation, for example, Arbor Day planting a tree, or Joe catching a lunch lady attempting to donate food to a homeless shelter. When one of the main characters decides to get involved in the noble act, Wishbone flashes to a famous work of literature that it reminds him of, and usually with him playing the lead role in costume. Wishbone may not play the lead role if the character is difficult to relate to. He plays Sancho Panza in Don Quixote or is female in the show's Joan of Arc episode. He plays Louis, Louis de Conte. I can't pronounce that. By the end of both stories, the real-life situation usually follows the work of literature closely, such as the king saving Robin Hood at the last minute and the principal saving Joe at the very last minute. They're referring to the Robin Hood story slash Joe saves the lunch lady from losing her job when the principal reappears at the end of the episode. Last two minutes of nearly every episode feature Wishbone narrating some background description of how the episode was produced, including how stunts were performed, how costumes were designed, or how the visual effects were created. The series also featured a clip call episode called Picks of Yeah, Picks of the Litter. Yes. That's when Wishbone is having to entertain another dog that's staying with the Talbot family by these stories of all these adventures he gets into. Okay, going through the main characters real quick, we got Wishbone, protagonist, titular character of the series. He's well a well-read dog who sees parallels between classic literature and the dilemmas he and his humans Human friends face every day. Wishbone is a tricolor Jack Russell Terrier, white with brown and black markings, who lives with the Talbots at their home on Forest Avenue in Oakdale, Texas. Joseph Joe Talbot, Wishbone's teenage owner, the only child of Steve and Ellen Talbot, Joe has brown hair and a great interest in sports, particularly basketball. He is a player on the Sequoia Middle School basketball team. His best friends are Sam Kepler and David Barnes. His father, basketball coach, had passed away when Joe was six years old. Portrayed by Jordan Wall in the series finale. Okay, we don't need to talk about the series finale yet. Samantha Sam Kepler, Joe and David's best friend from their school. Her father, Walter Kepler, owns and runs a local pizzeria, Pepper Pete's. She has long blonde hair. It's the most outgoing and adventurous of the three friends. 
She's also allergic to co coconuts, which actually is shown in an episode. Sam is a tomboy who enjoys soccer, roller hockey, photography, and drama. And her parents are also divorced. Which is interesting because I don't know how many shows in the 90s really portrayed a whole lot of kids, children, and divorce on television shows. Let's see. David Barnes, of course, Joe and Sam's best friend from school, Joe's next door neighbor. He lives with his parents and his younger sister, Emily, who actually gets an episode featured about her. David aspires to be a scientist. David and his family aren't seen or mentioned in the Wishbones Dog Days of the West, which is the very last TV movie that sums up where the characters are in life and where they're going to go after the series ends. Wanda Gilmore, the Talbots and the Barnes' slightly eccentric next-door neighbor. Wanda is the owner of the Oakdale Chronicle newspaper and president of the local historical society and a volunteer in other different venues. She's a very friendly and cheerful person, but hates it when Wishbone digs up her flower beds and finds him a nuisance at times. Although she reconciles with him in a later episode of Flea-Bitten Bargain, she has a crush on Joe David and Sam's teacher, Bob Pruitt, and is in a steady relationship with him. She, uh... Alright, so that being said... Let's jump into this episode. I just, this is one of my all-time particular favorites. I think it's just because I am a fan of history and, and stuff like that. And I just like the idea of summing, someone coming back to their old house and finding something that they had there when they were a little kid. I just, I like that. So we open up the episode title... <laughs> We open up the scene with the episode title across the screen that says Digging Up the Past. We're in the Talbot kitchen. Everyone's kind of getting ready for school. Ellen's getting ready to go to her job. She works at the library. And Wishbone is trying to sleep <laughs> right in front of his food and water dish. Because Ellen refills it for it. Like, here you go, Wishbone. And Wishbone's like, because uh, he's getting, you know, people are stepping, you know, Joe and Ellen are stepping over him. They're opening the cabinet to get a spoon out, rustling the silverware. And she's like, ugh, I'm trying to, trying to sleep. They can't hear him talk, of course. Mainly for our, for our benefit. Yeah, too much activity going on right now in the kitchen. So Wishbone thinks, you know, I'm going to go find that chair is calling my name. He's got his favorite chair that he sits in. It's right in the little den area. Like, all right, I'm going to go lay in my chair. Okay, this must be a Saturday because Ellen says she has to go into work for a little bit. And she asked Joe, like, do you have any plans for today about, you know, what you want to do? And Joe tells her, well, I don't have anything planned yet, but, I mean, Sam was talking about maybe a street hockey game down by the park, maybe. And as Ellen's, you know, sitting there drinking her coffee, like, oh, you got to straighten your room, though, before you leave the house. Remember that. And Joe kind of looks at her. It's like, Mom, it's Saturday. Yeah, and he also says, Mom, it's Saturday. Can I do it tomorrow? And she looks at him and like, well, Joe, don't you have a social studies project that you need to be working on or finish she says like well isn't that due soon like on monday and he's like yeah well when are you gonna do that he says tomorrow and she told joe you can't just put everything off till tomorrow 
Yeah, I mean, turns out he hasn't even started that paper yet. Well, this is an interesting topic about what he's going to write. He's going to write about something that we wish we had. Something our grandparents had that we wish was still around. What That is just... I'm just trying to think, like, what could your grandparents have that doesn't exist anymore that you could want, exactly? Like, something that makes life... I mean, everything already, now it feels like, makes life easier. I mean, we've got a phone that basically does everything for you, <laughs> except for cook your dinner, <laughs> cook your meals for you. But um, I'm just trying to think, like, what would that something be? And she asks him if he picked a topic, and he says no. And she has the newspaper there, and it says, Emissions Violations Close Hobrock Plant. She said you could do your project on, the, your paper on this. And she was like, well, I mean, we're supposed to do it on something we wish was still around. And Joe immediately vetoes that idea. Like, no, it's supposed to be something we wish was still around. And she asked him, well, do you have any better ideas? And he said, well, no, not really. I mean, I can't think of anything. So she actually asked, like, hey, why don't you drop by the library later and do some research? You know, back in the day when you went to the library to do your research for stuff instead of, you know, the internet. I remember when I had to do papers for, for like, middle school and high school. Yeah, you did. You went to the library. You checked out books. And you got information from, from that. I remember doing that for when I did a paper um, uh, English, for English class, 7th grade. I did um, wolves. So Ellen goes looking for a backpack, which is in the chair that Wishbone is sleeping in. Like, oh, there's my backpack. And she says, Joe, like, hey, why don't you just come down to the library later today and just start research on your paper? Well, it, may, it makes it sound like it's basically, it's not optional. Like, do what you want to do in the afternoon, but then come down to the library when you're through. <laughs> Joe asks which one. Hey, which phone? Wait, you want to help me clean up my room? <laughs> I don't think he does. Hey, Quinn, you want to help me uh, vacuum the floor? Nope. <laughs> she didn't even respond to that. <laughs> Wishbone thinks about, hmm, why don't you work or sleep? You know, I think I'm going to sleep. <laughs> Wishbone says, ah, let me do some deep thinking on this. Hmm, you know what? I'm going to choose a nap. Wake me when you're done. And Joe says, oh, give me a dog's life any day. Or a cat, for that matter. I mean, exactly, right, Quinn? It's not like you really have anything to do. You get to sleep most of the day, eat and drink and go pot pot, right? Exactly. Chase cats. Oh, hey. Oh. Hello, trying to sleep. Here you go, Wishbone. No, thanks. Uh, sleepy, not thirsty. And now, if you two will kindly excuse me, I believe I hear a chair calling my name. I have to go into work for a while, Joe. Did you make any plans for today? Not yet. Sam was talking about a street hockey game down by the park. Oh, 
Well, just make sure you straighten your room before you leave the house. Mom, it's Saturday. Can I do it tomorrow? Well, what about your social studies paper? Isn't it due Monday? Yeah, I guess so. Well, when are you going to do that? Tomorrow. Joe, you can't put everything off until tomorrow. Have you even started the paper? No. What's the subject? We're supposed to write about something our grandparents had that we wish was still around today. Oh. Did you pick a topic? No. Well, what about this? They're closing the old Hellbrock plant. Nah, it's supposed to be something that we wish was still around. So, you got any better ideas? No, not really. I can't think of anything. There's my backpack. Excuse me, wishbone. <clears throat> Excuse me, did I live a wake-up call? Hey, after you've straightened up your room, why don't you come down to the library and do some research? I love you. I'll see you later. Bye. Hey, want to help me clean up? Hmm. Watch you work or sleep. Let me do some deep thinking about this. Mm, nope, I thought about it. I choose the nap. Wake me when you're finished. Give me a dog's life any day. So here we get introduced to the story that Wishbone is going to relate to this episode, which is Rip Van Winkle by Washington Irving. He says that Rip Van Winkle holds a record for the longest power nap. And he even refers to him kind of as, as the great American Slafford. The book was written in 1819. Explains how Rip Van Winkle lived in colonial America just before the Revolutionary War. So the way that Wishbone portrays Rip Van Winkle is he is a nice, kind man, loved by everyone in town. And while the women's men were off doing whatever they were doing, Wishbone would kind of Wishbone <laughs> Rip Van Winkle would kind of hang around and help the ladies out. Like, hey, you need me to oil the hinges on the door? I got you. You need me to build you a table? I'm on it. You need me to go get you some potatoes for your scoop or dinner tonight? I'm on that too. Yeah, Rip Van Winkle was also a hit with the kids, you know, making them toys, kites, all that fun stuff. Everyone loved this man. Funny how he walked past this fence that's got a dog in the yard, a regular dog, and the dog just kind of looked at which, um, <laughs> Rip Van Win Wishbone as Rip Van Winkle, just like, why is that dog wearing clothes? He doesn't even acknowledge me. Also go and hang out with the men who are hanging out, you know, down by the bar or wherever, just, you know, hang outside, listen to stories, swap stories, but he definitely really enjoyed traipsing through the woods. Hey, a nice fall day, crisp autumn day, just walking, enjoying the sun, this crisp breeze. Nothing better. I, <laughs> oh my goodness, which one is Rip Van Winkle? I love that they bring like a, a fun energy. He brings a fun energy to these classic illustrating, you know, classic literature characters he's really he's like it's you know good for kids really gets you into it and stuff i just yeah you, rip van winkle's walking along in the woods enjoying his time and then he comes up there's a, a very tall man bearded man long you know beard hair bushy eyebrows whatnot carrying a couple kegs that say cider 
the the word cider is carved on the ends. Guy doesn't say any doesn't say anything. And he sets one of the kegs down and Rip says, Hey, let me help you with that. And <laughs> he sees that the the silent man here's got uh, the smaller one's like, oh, I'm gonna carry the smaller one. He's like, Yeah, I haven't seen you before in my life. Like, who what where are we going? <laughs> He's asking these like these questions like, Do I ask too many questions? <laughs> it's just it's funny and I really like it. And they wind up with a group they meet up with a group of other tall, silent, bearded men who got these pins set up for, it looks like, like, early 1800s bowling, basically. But Rip most enjoyed avoiding the chores that Dame Van Winkle had planned for him by escaping to hunt in nearby mountains. The Catskills. <laughs> Poorly named. Cats do not have skills. Did you hear that? <gasps> Whoa. Hmm. Strange looking fellow. Let me see. Clothes are a tad out of style. Big beard, bushy eyebrows, heavy set. Mm, nope, nobody I know. Should I be scared? So, uh, need a little help lugging the old refreshments up to a party, huh? Well, it just so happens that I have some time on my, uh, well, hands. <laughs> Lead on. I was actually going to take the small one, but... Okay. So, what's your name? Hey, uh, where are we going? Hey, uh, what's in the keg? Do you think I asked too many questions? Have you always been this talkative? Wow, you hear that? Sounds like rain. Great. I've had more satisfying conversations with a fire hydrant. <laughs> well, stranger, I was trying to help out, but I really need to... Whoa, whoa, whoa! Hey, that wasn't thunder I heard. It was the sound of bowling balls. <laughs> hey, this is great! Must be league night. Okay, I'll stick around for one game, but then I rip. Was it something I said? Guys? Gentlemen? Huh? So, yeah, he comes upon all these guys playing, like, thin pin bowling, wooden pin bowling. And the guys all kind of look at Rip, like, who, who are you? Like, I carried the keg. <laughs> I carried the cider. <laughs> so now we're going to pop it back into the real world here. As Joe's got his backpack on. It's like, wishbone, let's go. So, yeah. Right up, rides up to the library. Wishbone's there. And Wishbone's probably going to get that nap. Because he's going to go park himself on the bench for a bit. While Joe does some research in the library. I gotta say, I really like the musical, the musical cues done in this movie. As Joe tells Wishbone, wait here on this bench, you wait for me. We see this elder, well, older lady, I would probably, I'd probably put her somewhere maybe in her 50s. And 
she is a person of color. She's a beautiful black woman. And she comes in. She's kind of looking around because, you know, we find out she hasn't been to Oakdale in over 40 years. A lot of stuff can change in 40 A lot of stuff can change in 20 years, too. So, and she's just kind of trying to get uh, her bearings about her. Just kind of looking around like this wasn't here when, uh, or maybe the library was there. But I like the musical cues in this episode, especially when it comes to this new character here. Because the musical cues kind of seem to play about the fact that, you know, she hasn't been there in a very, in over 40 years. She's kind of looking around a little uh, displaced and everything. And that's what I feel like the musical cues kind of hint at someone who's been away for a very long time. So she sees Wishbone on the bench. She's like, hey there, buddy. You look like you're waiting for somebody. You know, I used to have a dog that would wait outside the library for me. He'd wait as long as he had to until he found just the right book. She is such a sweet, kind woman. So we go inside the library and we see that Joe is at a table finally writing stuff down for his history, his social studies paper for his assignment. And we see, I think her name might be Dr. Brown, I'm not sure. But Ellen sees the woman and goes up to her and says, oh, hi, can I help you with something? And doctor, the doctor says, oh, no, thank you. I just I wanted to check out the library. I haven't been here in, like, over 40 years. She says, I wanted to see if the library had changed as much as the town has. And she tells Ellen, hard to believe, this is where I used to come every Saturday. I remember going to the library on... Saturdays, too, and getting, you know, like, after groceries, my dad and I would stop by the library, and, uh, he'd get a book, and I'd get a book, and... Okay, I got it wrong. No, it's been, in fact, it's been over 50 years ago, so if that's the case, then this lady must be close to 70, if not at least 70. Okay, so she says that she left Oakdale 40 years ago to practice medicine. So she went to practice medicine medicine in Chicago, and she thought, you know, it was high time that she came back to revisit her roots. Like, oh, yeah, it's always kind of fun, interesting to go back and just uh, revisit, you know, whether you're revisiting, you know, your old home, your hometown after so many years. It's, or looking through old family photos, watching home movies, and you just you get that it's that it's that nostalgia that I think just just drives us for missing what we probably ref- might refer to as you know the good old days, you know when times in a way were a little simpler. Ellen is such a good librarian. She says, "Well, welcome back, and feel free to look around as long as you like." Dr. Thelma Brown. Okay. Yeah, and Ellen introduces herself. Well, hello, Dr. Brown. I am Ellen Talbot, and I hope your visit is very special. She is such a sweet lady. So, Dr. Brown sees Joe there, probably the only kid in the library on a Saturday, probably, that isn't under the age of, like, eight. And she says, you know, I bet that's your dog out there I saw on the bench outside the library. And he says, yes, ma'am. But she, this lady is so, Doc Brown, Dr. Brown is so sweet. She's like, looks like a keeper. And Joe says, oh, yes, ma'am, sure is. 
sunshine and a bench. Looks like I might have my nap after all. I'm assuming that was an accident. Now wait here. I won't be long. Never fear. While I'm on guard, the perimeter is secure. somebody now, aren't you? Have we met, madam? You know, I had a little fella who'd wait for me when I was a young girl. A little fella? He'd sit out here just as long as it took for me to find just the right book. What a <laughs> nice lady. Well, enjoy your trip to the library, ma'am. Thank you, no. I just stopped in to see the library. I wanted to see if it had changed as much as everything else in this town has. <laughs> Hard to believe this is where I used to come every Saturday. Oh, how long ago was that? Goodness. Must have been over 50 years ago. Oh, my. I left Oakdale 40 years ago to practice medicine in Chicago. Thought it was high time I revisited my roots. Well, welcome back, and feel free to look around as long as you like. Dr. Brown. Thelma Brown. It's a pleasure to meet you, Dr. Brown. I'm Ellen Talbot, and I hope your visit's very special. Oh, thank you, Ellen. I'm sure it will be. <laughs> I'm guessing that's your dog out by the front door. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Looks like a keeper. It sure is. <laughs> so we see Wishbone on the bench sleeping. He's getting that nap in. We go back to Rufbeon Winkle, who's pretty much wiping the floor with these loud, silent, loud, silent, tall, silent, bearded men. And they all keep kind of giving each other the eye, like, who is this dude? Because. <laughs> Rip is, like, constantly, like, getting those strikes with the bowling. It's like, oh, you guys aren't great. You keep rolling gutter, gutter So, Rip says, hey, I'm going to go check out this cider y'all brought. Takes it, drinks it, like, wow, this is good. I should get the recipe before I go home. And he starts taking a couple steps, realizing he's kind of dizzy. He's like, oh. And then he... Falls on his side and just falls asleep into a deep, 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 deep 20-year sleep. All right, boys, watch and learn. <laughs> Another strike! Hey, loosen up, guys. You look like you've been rolling gutter balls all afternoon. <laughs> What's the matter? Cat skills got your tongue? Tough crowd. Okay, then. Drinks for everybody. Come on over. Step right up, gentlemen. No need to be shy. There's plenty to go around. <laughs> mm, this stuff looks good. I think I'll sample a wee bit of this strange brew myself. Mmm. Mmm-mm. Tasty. I like it. Got to remember to get the recipe before I go home. 
Well, enough of this. Let's get back to the game. All right, if we go... Whoa! Hey, all of a sudden I feel strange, really sleepy. <laughs> So, Rip fell fast asleep. So, now we go pop in in the real world here. And Joe and Ellen are outside raking leaves, because I'm sure even in Texas, even though... You're still going to have some leaves to have to bag up. This isn't like Michigan where you're spending a whole afternoon raking leaves and then raking them again a week later. Anyway, Dr. Brown drives up and Ellen says, oh, what a pleasant surprise. And Dr. Brown says, well, more than you know, Ellen. And Dr. Brown says, finally, something that hasn't changed so much. I grew up in this very house. I'm just thinking that is just amazing. So inside the house, Ellen asked Dr. Brown, so then you remember the Gilmore family? And Dr. Brown says, oh yeah, I remember the Gilmores. And Dr. Brown's surprised, like, oh wow, you say that Wanda Gilmore still lives there? And Ellen says, mm-hmm. The last time Dr. Brown saw Wanda, Wanda was just a toddler at the time. I'm like, oh my gosh. And Ellen says, oh, well, I have to call her over to visit before you leave. Because I'm sorry, I don't, yeah, Wanda, I don't think it's going to, I mean, she was just a toddler. I don't think she's going to remember Dr. Brown. And Dr. Brown tells Joe, you know, Joe, seeing Wishbone at the library this afternoon actually reminded me of my dog, Champion. Love Wishbone's internal monologue. He says, well, I doubt he was as handsome as me, but uh, now I know who buried those prehistoric soup bones in the backyard. And Ellen uh, hands the copy to Dr. Brown and says, you know, I'm pretty sure that Oakdale sure must have changed in the 40 years since you've been here. And Dr. Brown says, yeah, everything's so different. I hardly recognize anything downtown. I'm thinking... It always seems like when I would go through my hometown of Lowell, Michigan, even just driving down Main Street, which you have the old, the new side of Lowell, and then you have the old side. The old side of Lowell is actually becoming kind of, um, kind of like, I don't know if a hipster chic is the right word, but you get a lot, you get, I'm seeing a lot, like, the last time I was there, which would have been back in August of this year, just driving down the old side of Main Street, you're seeing a lot of, like, boutiques and fancy shops. And they actually got a bookstore, an independent bookstore, which is really, really cool. I just, I'm like, oh, because they followed them on um, either Snapchat or TikTok. I'm not sure which one, but it's just, it's really, really cool. It's like... Oh, man, I move out of town. <laughs> Although that was a while ago. You guys finally opened a bookshop. Oh, I mean, yeah, they got the library, too, but still. It's just, it's, it's, it's just, it's cool. It's just cool. You know, there's all these new little restaurants popping up and stuff. And it's just like, yeah, they're bringing some, you know, new age shops and stuff to the old side of Main Street in Lowell. And Dr. Brown, just, you know, they're in the kitchen, and she's like, this house, though, I mean, it's just like it was frozen in time. 
That's the thing. When Jeremy and I moved into our house back in 09, we really didn't do, like, hardly any renovations to, to it until we had to move. I mean, sure, we, you know, painted the walls and stuff, but as far as the counters... That stuff all stayed the same. The only thing to replace would be the dishwasher, the stove, the refrigerator, because they needed it. And then the flooring would have been replaced in the two bathrooms and the the kitchen because, you know, we were moving and we wanted to make it, you know, look good. You know, replace the toilets and all that stuff. But anyone else, you'll, you walk in that house and it's pretty much... Improper, no different than it was when the previous owners lived there. <laughs> and Dr. Brown says how happy she was to see the green trim outside, which looked just like it had when her parents moved in, apparently. And Ellen asks, as Dr. Brown is just kind of looking around the dining room and the living room and everything like that, Ellen asks Dr. Brown, like, well, did your parents build the house? And Dr. Brown says, yes, yes, they did. I think it's amazing the fact that you know, Ellen is so nice that she's letting this lady, you know, look around her house, you know, because she used to live there. I kind of don't, I wonder just how many people would be comfortable with previous owners just kind of, you know, looking around, you know, a house that they grew up in. So the house was built in 1919, which is the same year that Dr. Brown was born. Like, okay. And Dr. Brown says how her father was an architect and designed everything in the house, including the stained glass windows, which I think are very pretty. That is a very beautiful house. So they go into the study slash den where all the books are, and Ellen says how this is her favorite room. Big chair is still there. I guess it's something that stayed with the house. Oh, that's really cool because that's Wishbone's favorite spot. And yeah, she would just sit in the chair and just read and imagine that she was the hero and all of those books. Oh, so those books came with the house. Oh, okay. They do definitely look like they are, you know, books that have aged well over time. So Dr. Brown asks Ellen, do you think it'd be okay if I went upstairs and uh, looked at my old room? Ellen says, oh, of course. And I bet I know exactly which one it was. Yes, Joe, yep. The room, Joe's room, that was the room that Dr. Brown had. So they go to Joe's room, and Wishbone, even though he can't speak telepathically to Joe, he sees Joe's dirty clothes. Joe, dirty clothes, pick him up. Because Joe grabs the clothes and, like, throws them in the hamper as uh, Dr. Brown and Ellen are coming in. It's a cute room. I really like it. And Dr. Brown says as she comes in, I might have known that you'd have my old room, Joe. And she says, yeah, it's pretty cozy here, isn't it, Joe? And Joe says, yeah, I like it a lot. And Dr. Brown also tells him, oh, I like you. what you've done with the place. It's very nice. And Dr. Brown asks Joe, have you found the secret hiding place? And, uh, secret hiding place? Not. And Dr. Brown says, unless they fixed it, that board there comes out. And it's the board that's by the little, the window that, I think it's got a little bench there. She tells him how she used to hide all her treasures in there, including the one she didn't want her little brother Robert to find. So he's able to get the pan the wood panel off there, and of course you see some cobwebs, because this was a very long time ago, and he's digging around, and yeah, he found some stuff. 
Joe kind of looks like there doesn't seem to be anything in there. And Dr. Brown says, well, I probably cleaned it out a while ago before I moved. And, well, Wishbone can actually fit his head in there, and I think he found something. Yeah, he's like, Joe says, wait a minute, I think I found something. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a little, uh, leather, small leather pouch. I think he's got some, yeah, some marbles. Because Joe, like, drops the items in his palm. He's like, a marble and a ball bearing? And he looks at Dr. Brown a little confused. So the glass one is her, well, she calls it glassy, the marble, and then the steel one, she said, is her steel shooter, the steel round ball bearing looking one. And she explained, Dr. Brown explains to Joe how marbles were our video games back then. Dr. Brown explains, well, we had to shoot straight, but we got to keep everything we hit. The holding of the large ball bearing steel marble, she says, Looking at it, I want a lot of beautiful marbles with this one. I said, Joe, how life wasn't any less exciting. Yeah, any life back then wasn't any less exciting, just different. And she tells Joe, like, that looking at these marbles makes me think of something I hadn't thought of in years. And Ellen also excited, like, oh, what's that? And Dr. Brown says, a time capsule. Oh my god, Gigi, oh wow, it just so cool to think about just you, know, you bury a, a time capsule you know some people do that and just to come back years later and you're just like oh wow so after 10 years or more you probably forget about it and then something happens and it gets dug up and it's just like oh my gosh oh asked like what time capsule and dr brown says oh that must have been 1929 maybe so then when dr brown was 10. And she says 1929, 1930, she and her brother Robert put some stuff in uh, a little uh, metal container and buried it between two two trees out front. And Joe asks her, what would you put in it? But she says, I don't even remember what we put in there, just little odds and ends around the house and everything. And she's like, you know, it would be kind of fun to see what uh, what I put in there. I mean, how can you not want to find this time capsule after she says that? Because Joe sits up, stands up, he's like, well, come on, let's find it. It's like, I'm willing to drink tea up my front yard to find this time capsule. A hundred percent. Like, you can have any involved in this mystery. I want to find out. I want to know. <laughs> Dr. Brown asks Ellen, Ellen, and Ellen stands up and says, hey, I'm up for a treasure hunt. Fun's inner monologue. Buried treasure? You're gonna need someone who can dig. And Dr. Brown says, might be hard. The trees are different now. Dr. Brown, what a pleasant surprise. It certainly is, Ellen, more surprising than you know. Oh? Finally. Something in this town that hasn't changed much. <laughs> I grew up in this very house. So you remember the Gilmore family? Oh, I remember the Gilmores well. You say Wanda still lives there? Mm-hmm. The last time I saw her, she was just a little toddler. You know, we'll have to call her over to visit before you leave. You know, Joe, 
seeing Wishbone at the library this morning reminded me of my old dog, Champion. Well, it's unlikely he was quite as handsome. But now I know who buried those prehistoric soup bones in the backyard. Cream or sugar? A little sugar, please. I suppose Oakdale's changed quite a bit in 40 years. Everything's different. Well, I hardly recognize anything downtown. But this house, it's like it was frozen in time. Oh, I was so glad to see the green trim outside. Just like it looked when my parents moved in. And this is the dining room. Lots of space. Beautiful living area. And the study's in here. Did your folks build the house? Yes. I believe it was built... Um, 1919, the same year I was born. My father was the architect, and he designed everything, even the stained glass windows. Oh, I love those. And this is the chair. This is my favorite room. <laughs> Me too. I used to curl up in the big chair and just read and daydream and imagine that I was the hero <laughs> in each of those wonderful books. I like this woman's style the moment I laid eyes on her. Ellen, do you think I could go upstairs and look at my old room? Oh, of course. But I bet I know exactly which one it was. <laughs> right this way. As we walk up the stairs, please notice the fine wood paneling, left and right, all original, I might add. And this is the bedroom. Joe, dirty clothes. Pick them up. Thank you. I might have known you'd have my old room, Joe. So what do you think? Pretty cozy, isn't it? Yeah, I like it a lot. Well, I like what you've done with the place. Have you found the secret hiding place? Secret hiding place? Secret hiding place? <laughs> Unless they've fixed it, that board comes out. I used to hide all my treasures there, especially the ones I didn't want my brother Robert to find. Go ahead and check it out. This one? Oh, that secret hiding place. <laughs> you know, I knew this was here all along. I just wanted you to find it for yourself. Some stuck. Ah, here it comes. Ah, treasure. Looks dangerous. You go first. There doesn't seem to be anything in there. I may have cleaned it out long ago. Hello? Wait a minute. I smell something. Oh, excuse me. I think I feel something. Wow! It's a... It's a, uh... A something. A marble and a ball bearing? <laughs> the one with the swirls is lovely classy. And this is my prize dealy shooter. Cool. Marbles were our video games, Joe. But just like today, we had to shoot straight, but we got to keep everything we hit. I won hundreds of marbles with this little gem. Life wasn't any less exciting back then, Joe. Just different. Looking at those marbles makes me think of something I hadn't thought of in years. What's that? A time capsule. I wonder if it's still there. What time capsule? 
Oh, goodness, that must have been about 1929, 1930. My brother Robert and I put everything in a little metal box and buried it between two trees out front. What'd you put in it? Just little things we had around the house. I don't remember anything in particular. Might be fun to see what I really did put in that box. Let's find it. Ella? I'm not for a treasure hunt. Buried treasure? You're going to need someone who can dig. Let me see, who can I think of? Mm -hmm. Oh, me! Might be hard. Trees are different now. So now we're outside in the front of the house, and Dr. Brown is just kind of looking around at the trees, trying to decide which ones, which two trees she would have put that metal box time capsule in. And Ellen and Joe are just kind of sitting on the porch with Wishbone, kind of watching Dr. Brown just kind of you know, hand under her chin, just kind of thinking, like, where could it be? Because she said everything's changed. And Joey even says, I wish there was something we could do to, like, help her, you know? And Joe says, hey, maybe Wish Wishbone could help. Maybe. He, he can dig. And Ellen says, I don't know, Joe. A lot of years have passed. Been too long she probably feels a little lost how could we help her hey maybe wishbone can help i don't know a lot of years have passed joe years pass that's what happened to rip van Winkle. he took a nap for 20 years huh. what huh Ugh. where am i oh my head Ugh. Did I sleep in the mountains all night? Oh, boy. I'm in Dame Van Winkle's doghouse now. Where is everybody? Hello? Hello? Guess the bowling team's left. <laughs> they didn't even leave a trophy. Worse, they stole my rifle and left this worm-eaten, rusty excuse for a firearm. Oh, boy. Hmm. Guess I better get back to town. What am I going to tell Dame Van Winkle? So, Rip wakes up after 20 years, and he's got this love beard on him. I, I honestly, I just, I love the costumes they put on Soccer the Dog. Soccer plays Wishbone. Actually, the role of Wishbone is not just shared by Soccer the Dog, but many other Jack Russell Terriers that basically look just like the dog who plays Wishbone. So, yeah, just, he's like, well, where where are those bowlers? Because he wakes up, he's got a long beard, he's like, where, what? They stole my rifle because he sees this decrepit, aged gun leaning against a tree. It's like, and they left this thing. So he decides to head back to town and kind of see what's up. He has no idea just how many years have passed. When he enters town, he definitely notices things are not the same. The town had a strange new... I mean, think about 20 years, guys. Even after 10 years, a town could definitely have evolved, changed. You know, old shops have closed, new ones have taken their place and opened up. 
Yeah, it's just in a whole decade. I mean, things change. And just think about it. Try 20 years. A lot can change in 20 years. He, so he keeps mentioning Dane Van Winkle. And I'm guessing, is this a wife? Or... Because, spoiler alert, turns out I guess he's got a kid? Like he had a kid when he went up into those woods? I don't know how old the kid was necessarily, but 20 years have passed, so odds are... This kid he had now has a child of her own. So my guess is 20 years, anyone that knew Rip Van Winkle either died or moved out of town because literally just about nobody, 99% of the population does not know him. Like they don't recognize. I mean, it's not just the beard. It's just they don't know him. It's like everyone else has evolved. They've moved on or passed on and... Now we got um, new people here that are probably moved into town and this new generation and they've never heard of Rip Van Winkle. So he goes into town and it's like, all right, everyone, you can stop worrying about back. And then he looks at the town and she's like, I don't recognize any of these people. So this girl and this boy come out and say, old man's got a funny beard, old man's got a funny beard. And they're laughing at him. And he's, and Rip Van Winkle's thinking, beard? What are they, he doesn't even know he's got a beard? Wouldn't you feel that? He says, I don't have a beard, my face is a little scratchy, as he like shakes his head. So, there's a dog that is barking at Rip Van Winkle, and it looks like the dog from Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Same type of terrier. So, yeah, he's not used to having dogs bark at him. So he's like, you know, I bet everyone's over at the King George Inn. Let's go find out. Apparently the King George Inn is no more. It is now called the Union Hotel. So we see the American flag. We see a man that's also there talking to the crowd. I don't know whether he is a governor or he is elected an official of the town. We see the American flag, and we see the stars that are basically in a circle instead of how we're familiar with what the American flag looks like with the 50 stars on it. And Rip Van Winkle's thinking to himself, whose flag is that? And then the guy who's talking... It's like, oh, here now, friend. And everyone kind of turns and looks and finally notices that Rip Van Winkle is there. And they're looking at, like, there's one lady who, it's like, it's been 20 years. You act like it's been 75 years since he's been gone. That lady should know who he is. These people clearly all just moved into town within the last 15 years. So they must all be newbies. Yeah, he asked Rip Van Winkle, why do you carry a rifle on election day? And Rip Van Winkle's like, election day? And this guy says, yeah, are you, uh, what do you say, a federal or a Democrat or something? Like, I don't know what those are. And Rip Van Winkle says, neither. I'm a poor man from this town. A loyal subject of King George III, he says. He tells them. And everyone's just, like, mouth on the floor, like, agape. Like, <gasps> what? And then all these people start to turn on him. Like, he's a traitor. He's a spy. Like, no, he's not. He's just been gone for 20 years. 
like she's at least 50 as all like away with this refugee hang you know just saying just stuff like that i'm like lady you must honestly she's got to be a newbie she has to be it's been 20 years not 50. if that lady were around when he was there 20 years ago she would remember him so the guy who's I don't know what you would call him, a mayor of the town, whoever. He says, all right, you say you're a native of this town, right? Who among here do you know? And he looks around and he doesn't recognize anyone. Unless these are all those kids that grew up over 20 years and are now in their 30s. Um, and the thing is, it, just, it doesn't make sense. Everyone knew him 20 years. Like, literally, every he could not walk like, one foot in front of the other without getting, like, oh, hey, it's Rip Van Winkle. Hey, how you doing? You know, that kind of thing. And he says, well, Nicholas Fetter will speak for me. And this lady says, Fetter died 18 years ago. Okay, so clearly, shit. Seriously. If she knows that, then she's going to be a native of that town. And then he also brings up the schoolmaster would know who I am. Fine. Get him over here. Apparently, the schoolmaster was a general in the war, and now he sits in Congress. Well, good for him. He moved up in the world in 20 years. Awesome. And he says, yeah, everyone in this town must know me. I'm Rip Van Winkle. And it turns out, yeah, they know about Rip Van Winkle. They know that he just disappeared 20 years ago. Because, yeah, according to him, he, fell, he drank something and he fell asleep. He thinks it's the next day. He doesn't even know that 20 years have passed. He just, yeah, he just thinks, like, I fell asleep in the woods. I woke up, and I'm here, and it's like, I don't recognize any of you. He says, everything has changed. My first thing would be, as crazy as it sounds, I'd be like, okay, what year is it? Because that's probably, if you're confused and you don't recognize anything, yeah, that's probably the first thing you're going to, as weird as it's going to sound, you're going, okay, what year is it? Who's the, pre who's you know, running things. So, you know, questions like that. Hello? Hello? Guess the bowling team's left. <laughs> they didn't even leave a trophy. Worse, they stole my rifle and left this worm-eaten, rusty excuse for a firearm. Oh, boy. Hmm, guess I better get back to town. What am I going to tell Dame Van Winkle? So, Rip Van Winkle returned to town, but the place had a strangely different look to it. Okay, everyone, you can stop worrying, I'm back. <laughs> I, hmm, it's funny, I don't recognize any of these people. Old man's got a funny beard, and old man's got a funny beard. <laughs> beard? I don't have a beard. My face is a little scratchy. Whose flag is that? 
friend, why do you carry a rifle on election day? Election day? Yes, are you a federal or democrat? Neither. I'm a poor fellow from this town and a loyal subject of King George III. Oops, wrong answer. He's a Tory, a spy, traitor! Away with this refugee! Hang him! Quiet, quiet, silence, I say! Sir, you say that you are a native of this town. Whom do you know? Well, Nicholas Vedder will speak for me. Vedder died 18 years ago. Then Van Brummel, the schoolmaster. He was a general in the war and now sits in Congress. Oh, come, come. Everyone in this town must know me. I'm Rip Van Winkle. <laughs> Can this be happening? Last night I slept in the mountains and today my brain is addled. Everything is changed. So we go back to the front yard with Ellen, Joe, and Dr. Brown. And she's just, she's still kind of looking around. Just the yard's changed. There's more trees. It's harder to pinpoint because she says she buried the metal box under two trees that were next to each other. And she's just thinking, gosh, have I gone crazy? It's like, no, it's just, it's been 40 years. And yeah, the yard's not going to be the same. There is going to be more trees. The trees are going to look, well, and you think about it, the two trees she's looking for would be pretty old. They would be over 40 years old. So you're going to, you're not going to be looking at two younger trees next to each other. You're looking for two older ones. She mentions, Dr. Brown mentions about the paved circle, how that wasn't there. You mean the cul-de-sac, because they live on a cul-de-sac. So yeah, it probably wasn't there when she was a little girl. See Joe with Sam and David coming up, and David's got, it's a metal detector, which I think definitely, it's good. this kid is a genius. He's going to go so far in life. Because I believe, yeah, he does, according to Wikipedia, yeah, he wants to be a scientist. And he's always creating these really amazing, awesome inventions. And one is basically a metal detector. And Joe says, oh, Dr. Brown, David's got an idea that might help. Oh, by the way, these are my friends, David and Samantha. Sam says hi, but David says, oh, don't worry, this shouldn't take long. <laughs> yeah, he's got this. And he starts running the metal detector over the grass, and you hear this high-pitched whirring, whining sound, and it dings, and it's like, oh, found it already. <laughs> He's so, David's so proud of himself. And Wishbone thinks, oh no, that's where I left a chew bone there or something, or a squeaky toy. And Samantha, Sam says, David, are you sure? And David says, yeah, it's picking up a really high metallic signal. Oh, well, turns out it was just Joe's locker key. All right, well, let's try this again. And Joe says, oh, thank my locker key. Thanks for finding it. And Sam says, yeah, those these trees don't look open up, but those two over there do. And there's two trees that are in the middle of the cul-de-sac with a grassy patch in between them, so... Let's try that and see what happens. Maybe we'll we'll strike gold or metal. He goes over there and Wishbone's saying, like, all right, check the area. There's nothing there. And turns out they're not really getting anything. So David actually, okay, so that is just a typical metal detector. So he says he's got something of a subterranean sonar system. 
Or like a higher tech version of a metal detector. David says, I can rig a device that will send high-pitched uh, sound waves into the ground. And he says, with the right rigging gear, I should be able to pick, we should be able to pick up the size and shape of anything buried here. <laughs> and Sam is like, you can build something like that. And I like how David's like, oh yeah, I can do that. No problem. Yeah, she's like, you can make something like that? And David's like, yeah, sure, I think so. And Joe's like, there, come on, there, there's got to be an easier way than this. And Wishbone's saying, yeah, preferably something that doesn't make high-pitched sounds. We, So we see Wanda, and she is trying to fit her plastic fl flamingo. There's these little metal stakes that go into the ground. And she's not able to fit them into the ground. Something is blocking it. Those metal poles from going in. Because Wishbone goes over there. It's like, Wanda, excuse me. And he starts digging like he senses something. Again, it's like, Alan, your dog's destroying my front yard again. <laughs> she calls him a canine rototiller. So, yeah, that's what I'm kind of thinking is... If Dr. Brown and her brother buried this when they were kids, I don't think they're going to dig such a deep, deep hole. Just enough to cover it. It's a good-sized metal little lockbox. Like, some people would use that for, like, a little cash drawer. Joe picked it up. It is, of course, covered in dirt in its age. I believe they actually... Well, we'll get to that. We'll get to that, how well this metal box has actually been preserved over the course of... For years. Have I gone crazy? The yard seems changed. There are more trees now. This paved circle wasn't here when I was a girl. That house wasn't built either. I simply can't remember which two trees the box is buried between. Maybe they cut them down years ago. David's got an idea, Dr. Brown. Good. Oh, these are my friends, David and Samantha. Pleased to meet you. Hi. Uh, this shouldn't take long. <laughs> Look, found it already. I don't think so. I happen to know there's a perfectly good chill bone buried there. Are you sure? Look, the signal is definitely metallic. Hey, my locker key. <laughs> Thanks for finding it for me. Yeah, these two trees don't look old enough. Hey, maybe we spawned on to something. Those two trees look old enough. Hey, you're welcome to look, but I've already checked out the area. I said I've already checked out the area. Oh, David. Nothing. What'd I tell you? Everything's different. Uh, well, we could try a subterranean sonar. Try what? Subterranean sonar. I could rig a device that would send high-pitched sound waves into the ground. With the right monitoring gear, we'd be able to see the relative size and shape of any buried object. You could make something like that? Sure. I think so. There's wow. got to be an easier way. Yeah. Preferably something that doesn't involve high-pitched sounds. Mm. Uh, huh? Hey. Wait a minute. 
Joe, you better get Wishbone. Wishbone! Excuse me, Wanda? Joe, what's he doing? I don't know. Wishbone, what are you doing? Don't worry, I'll get to the bottom of this. Tell him he's up to something. Yes, I know. I'm coming. Your canine roto tiller is destroying my lawn again. Today, on Digging Up Your Neighbor's Yard, I'm going to show you how to unearth rare and precious objects. My lovely assistant, Wanda, has graciously allowed us to use her yard. What's here? I know what's here. I know what's here. It's bingo! Is this it? Oh, Joe holds up the metal box and asks, is this it? And then we cut to inside the living room as Dr. Brown tells Joe it's a little piece of the past. Dr. Brown also wants to thank Wanda for letting them dig up her yard. Oh, it'll be fine. Just shove the dirt back in. The hole wasn't even that big anyway. It was like literally just below the surface that box was. And Sam notes how the box is actually in pretty good shape. And Dr. Brown tells her, well, my brother dipped the whole thing in paraffin oil to keep the box in good condition. Well, I figure, yeah, especially if it's going to be underground, you don't want, you know, the elements of over 40 years affect, you know, corroding the metal and eating away at it and stuff. And then the stuff inside is going to get destroyed. And, of course, Joe hands the box to Dr. Brown and says, you do the honors, Dr. Brown. Like, it is your metal box. You should be the one to open it. Definitely. So she opens it and just, like, her mouth is just like, <gasps> just in awe. She found some more bar marbles. And she shows a picture, a black and white picture of her and her dog Champ. And also, she's standing in front of the house that they're currently sitting in. You do see the stained glass windows and the door and in the front window and the study area. And you also see a little baby carriage with a doll in the background right behind her. Unless that's what she was putting the dog in to carry the dog around in the little, uh... The baby carriage. So Sam right away notices the newspaper. Like, oh, what's that? And Dr. Brown said, oh, it's probably, you know, just a newspaper from that day. Just, you know, what was going on then? And so we look at it. It's the Oakdale Chronicle, of course. Holbrook Industries opens new plant. So that was the day that they opened the plant. And, of course, now, 40 years later, the plant is going to be closed. And Dr. Brown says how when that plant opened up that was a big day for this town and Ellen tells her well actually they're closing it this month they're closing it due to EPA violations which is Environment Protection Agency so yeah I mean you saw that I mean if you know the smokestacks and everything look at they're polluting the air so 100% yeah EPA is going to come down on them saying you can't have this here anymore and Dr. Brown says oh that's a shame a lot of our friends uh my well my friends uh worked at that plant and she's going through the other articles there that she put in into the box. She says, oh, there's so many stories in this box. It's a little piece of the past, Joe. Wanda, thanks for letting us dig up your yard. Oh, well, I guess it served a higher purpose. This box is in pretty good shape. My brother dipped the whole thing in paraffin to make it more waterproof. You do the honors, Dr. Brown. There's the marbles, Joe. <laughs> oh, 
there's a picture of me and Champ. <gasps> Champ? Where? Let me see. Let me see. Ah, he's a handsome devil. He shares my noble bearing. What is this? Oh, probably from the day that we buried the box. What was going on then? Hey, Mom, it's the whole rock plant. Oh, that was a big day in this town. Well, you know, they're closing it this month. EPA violations. Oh, what a shame. A lot of our friends worked at that plant. So many stories in this box. So we go back to Rip Van Winkle as Witchbone kind of mentions about how stories from the past really were all that Rip Van Winkle had. Everything he remembers is from 20 years ago. Because he remembers it like it was yesterday because for him, it was yesterday in a way. At least in his mind. So he tells the townspeople to listen to his story. Basically what he did is he went up to the woods, he was bullying with these strange men, he took a drink, he fell asleep, and then here I am today right now talking to you. The, the, the older lady is like, Turn, taking her finger and turning it in a circle like oh, I tell you everyone he's crazy and everyone else is just laughing at him like ay 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 so this lady comes up with a baby who's kind of you don't really hear the baby fussing she goes oh quiet rip this little this old man here won't hurt you and that gets his attention it's like excuse me did you just call your baby rip and he asks her name, and she says her name is Judith Garnier. Well, Garnier, Garnier is probably her married name. And he asks, well, what's your father's name? And she says, Rip Van Winkle. He went up into the mountains 20 years ago, and he just disappeared. No one's heard from him since. Yeah, he went up to the woods and never came back. And, you know, I was a little girl then. So, yeah, I mean, it's been 20 years. I mean, if she'd been maybe even 5, 10 years old at that point... And add another 20 years of that, she'd be in her 30s with a kid. So, you don't, I mean, come on, he's just got a beard. Shave that beard off. It's like, I would think she would be able to recognize him. I mean, does he not even remember that he had a dog? I don't know. Because he even asked about her mom. Like, where's your mom? And, like, oh, um, Judith says she died a while ago. And he tells her, Judith, I am your father. I am Rip Van Winkle. And she kind of looks at him confused. So... The guy, the village man, whatever he is supposed to be, I don't know. Um, he calls over a man named Peter, who's the town historian, and asks, Do you recognize this man? You've been here forever. Do you know who he is? He says he's Rip Van Winkle, but I don't think he is. And the guy's like, oh, well, let me see here. He looks at Rip and says, oh. My goodness, it's it's Rip Van Winkle, he announces to everyone. It's like, yeah, he confirmed it. It is indeed Rip Van Winkle. And the guy asks Peter, the historian, have you heard of strange tales of men bowling in the mountains? So he says, yes, I have. Uh, as word has it, uh, let me see, Hudson, Hendrick Hudson and his men, these old explorers would go up there and says they come back every 20 years to look down on the river and play nine pins apparently that's enough for judith because she says you are my father and rip says well it's different but it's home so yeah he's back to doing his his stories and he's got you know his daughter there with a group of kids and they're all wanting to hear his 
story of Henrik Hudson and his men and the time I played bowling with them or nine pins. And so, I'm like, yes, but tell it again. <laughs> hmm, stories. A story from the past is all Rip Van Winkle had. Good people of this town, I beg you, I implore you to hear my tale. After bowling with these strange men, I took a drink. I fell asleep. And here I am today. Quiet, <laughs> Rip. This old man won't hurt you. Rip? You called your baby Rip? What is your name, good woman? Judith Garnier. And your father's name? Rip Van Winkle. He went into the mountains 20 years ago and never came back. I was a little girl then. Judith, where is your mother? She died not long ago. Judith, I am your father. I'm Rip Van Winkle. Peter, I say Peter Vanderdonk. You're the town historian. Do you recognize this man? Well, let's see. It's, uh... Oh, my goodness. It's... It's, it's Rip Van Winkle. <laughs> and have you heard tales of strange men bowling in the mountains? What? Yes. <laughs> Legend has it, the ghost of the old explorer, Hendrik Hudson and his men, come back every 20 years to look down on the river and play nine pins. You are my father. Well, it's different, but it's home. <laughs> Have I ever told you the story of the time I played nine pins with the ghosts of Hendrik Hudson and his men? Yes, but tell it again. Well, okay. While on one of my daily sojourns up into the Catskills, I happened to hear a strange voice calling out. Rip Van Winkle. Scary, huh? I'll do it again. Rip Van Winkle. Ooh, just give me shivers. It was the most incredible thing. You should have been there. So the next thing that Dr. Brown pulls out is a program from an Oakdale Oaks baseball game. And Joe's right, like, Oakdale had a baseball game? The set is from 1929. So a lot of, so she clearly buried this time capsule when she was 10 because she said she was born in 1919. So for a split second, when you pause it, as she pulls out the flyer, it does say that it is um, a Negro League from 1929. I'm like, okay, I don't think she mentions that, that it's an all-black team. And then she says every Friday her dad would take her and her brother down there to watch, you know, the games and stuff. And Joe says, oh, I wish we had a baseball game to go to every Friday night. I'm like, dude, you like, I mean, he likes all sports, but I mean... Basketball is Joe's game. I mean, I think maybe he's just like, oh, I wish we could go watch a baseball game. That is one thing I never want to sit through is a baseball game. It would be long, and I would be, ugh. yeah. And Ellen says, you know, Joe, there's your paper. And Joe says, does that mean i got to go back to the library? And basically she says, no, you could interview Dr. Brown. I mean, if Dr. Brown wants to be interviewed. He says, no, you got your source right here. You can interview Dr. Brown. Joe asks, can I? And, she's, and Dr. Brown says, oh, that would be the highlight of my visit. 
Wishbone decides to go take a nap in his big comfy chair and thinks about, would it be so bad if he could sleep for 20 years? What would be bad about it? Oh, couldn't eat. Couldn't chase cats. Couldn't dig up Wanda's yard. Wishbone says, eh, 20 minutes should be just fine. And that's where the episode ends. But of course, I want to play the clip as we come back out of the Rip Van Winkle part. Oh, here's an old program from an Oakdale Oaks baseball game. Oakdale had a baseball team? Of course. And every Friday night, my father would take us to the baseball game over at Beeson Field. <laughs> I wish we had a baseball game to go to every Friday night. Yeah, me too. Joe, there's your paper. Does that mean I have to go back to the library? Library? Uh-oh. Time for a nap. Excuse me. Pardon me. Come through. No, you've got your source right here. You can interview Dr. Brown. Can I? That would be the highlight of my visit. <laughs> ah, let's see. What would be the worst thing about sleeping for 20 years? Huh? Couldn't eat. Couldn't chase cats. Ooh, couldn't dig up Wanda's yard. No, 20 minutes should be just fine. At twice their normal speed. So real quick, I want to play the ending here, how they talk about the special effects for the episode with the bowling scene and just all the sound effects. It's really cool. I like when they do the behind-the-scenes stuff and really learn a bit about what it takes, you know, production-wise and everything coming together with the sound effects, the production, and basically all the little details that go into what you're seeing on the screen. was not a typical night at the lanes. Washington Irving wrote that Rip felt a vague apprehension stealing over him. No kidding, he was surrounded by ghosts. How did we make our ghosts seem so ghost-like? Aha! The post-production sound department. They and the camera crew created that odd feeling described by Washington Irving. For Rip Van Winkle, we recorded some of our effects for the slow-mo scene, such as the birds, at twice their normal speed, which is 30 inches per second. We then played them back at 15 inches per second, making them sound like they're half as fast as they originally were. Now I'm on top of sound. Creepy. That's enough to turn any dog's beard white. So these episodes are available to watch on YouTube. Some are broken down into like part one, two, and three, or part one and two, or some are just the full episode completely uploaded. So I'd like to read some of the comments. Let's see. Uh, the way Dr. Brown talks of time changing, I feel the that way now and it hasn't even been that long. Someone says, I buried a time capsule around 20 years ago at my parents' house. My kids helped me dig it up. Let's see. Um, the plot here is very, is rather similar to that of A Tale in Twain, which is the pilot two-part episode. Digging up valuables buried long ago and all that. Let's see. Let's see. The cider was called Sleeping Cider. Rip Van Winkle fell asleep until a new country called United States is born. Kind of like the sleeping apple for what Snow White died in her sleep. Well, she was awoken by a kiss. This is from 10 years ago. Someone posted, LOL, Joe would be 30 now. Crazy how time flies. Ah, the days when we actually had to visit the library for research purposes. 
Oh, I miss the the 90s. <laughs> this person <laughs> commented, I laughed when Witchbone reacted when Joe hit him with his backpack. Like, oh, I'll assume that was an accident. <laughs> oh, Dame Van Winkle. Okay, so as in his wife. Okay, got, got it, yes. I wonder, like, well, who was giving him, like, chores and all this stuff? Like, of course it was his wife, because he had a kid. All right, well, I hope you enjoyed the episode. I really enjoyed reviewing this episode and look forward to more Wishbone episodes coming in the future. Have a great day, everyone. Bye-bye.